All right, guys, this is Brittany Belvedere. I'm here with This Colorful Life, our second episode, and I have an amazing guest, Alicia Graff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to be here. Me too. I have not been able to stop thinking about a few weeks ago when mm -hmm. we were able to talk about your story. Mm -hmm. uh, we ran into each other um, right downtown Overland Park during yeah. the farmer's market. Yeah, that was and, a uh, crazy moment for me. I never go to that spot of town, and I felt really prompted to go to this one coffee shop. And then when I saw you outside, and we connected, talked about your adoption story and mine, I just was like, this is why I was supposed to come here. <laughs> yeah, it was totally one of those defining moments, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, I haven't been able to stop thinking about your story. And I am so thankful that you're here to share it, because I feel like... The reason for this podcast is I want to bring some awareness for adoption and mm -hmm. what you've been through and the, the mm -hmm. which the insight you have is so amazing and yeah. um, I just think it's incredible. So thank you so much and yeah. I'm so excited to share it with um, with our viewers. So yeah, um, yeah, I guess just uh, when you were a little girl, tell me how you found out you were adopted or how did that process yeah. work for you. So I was adopted when I was eight weeks old, and so, you know, they didn't tell me at eight weeks old. <laughs> didn't know it then, but I grew up uh, for those first eight weeks in a mother care system, and so mother care system is where one woman takes care of you until you're adopted out of that, and then my whole life, um, from that point on, my parents have always been very vocal about being adopted. One, because... I look nothing like them, <laughs> so you can't really hide <laughs> that, but uh, when I was growing up, we had a pictures in my bedroom, my nursery, one of my biological parents, me, and my adopted parents, and then all of us together, and so my family really incorporated a sense of we all were a family, and they believed that, my biological family believed they um, were doing something right with placing me into this home. And so, I guess to answer your question, I think it's, I've always known, and I really appreciate my parents' transparency in it, and they've never withheld information from me. They just let, have always let me know. They loved me so much that this was uh, the best option for my life. Yeah, wow. Well, that's incredible. Yeah. So, um, you grew up with a lot of brothers and sisters, right? Well, I grew up with a brother and a sister, but I have four biological siblings that were you know not adopted with me so in many ways I feel like I have multiple siblings a lot of places but I grew up with an older sister and a younger brother okay were they adopted as well yeah so my whole family's adopted yeah so how did they um, kind of deal with that growing up as well well my brother he's from China and so he was adopted from an orphanage in Beijing and then my sister her parents were 14 and they, you know, instantly knew they were not fit to be parents. Mm -hmm. And then she was placed into the adoption system. My adoption was the only one that was an open adoption. And both of theirs, obviously my brother, who's an orphan, so he didn't know his family. But my sister's, hers was closed. And so for them, I think they have navigated it a little bit differently than per me personally. I think every, and I want to preference this, Every adoption story is so unique, and it's not going to look the same for every child. Um, I do think my 
adoption story has been a little bit better to navigate than theirs, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean down the road they won't also find that yeah. for themselves. So how have you navigated it then? Like, how have you kind of become this amazing woman <laughs> that you are today? Uh, probably by the challenges I faced. Yeah. Um, they have refined a lot of who I am, but I would say I have a, um, a deep and... I don't know, just a deep-rooted faith in Christ. And I didn't always have that. I grew up in a Christian home, and we went to church. But I think when I learned the spiritual side of adoption, it really propelled me to look at my story differently. Um, And a lot of my story actually ties back into my dad's brain injury. And so my, my adoptive dad, when I was 12, fell from a tree and suffered a TBI from that. And so my story has a lot of mix and turns of, you know, being adopted, but also watching many parts of your adoptive dad, you know, fade away, kind of like who you grew up with. And so I would say, I think our adoption story is one first tainted, not only tainted, first um, seen just there's the adoption process and then going through what my dad went through Mm -hmm. so I think when you kind of compound those you have a lot of different um, scenarios that you're navigating as a child and so when I was 12 I was navigating you know my dad's brain injury and I was also navigating you know still being an adopted child and so oh my goodness wow that makes sense (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah so I feel like my story has lots of facets to it um so, yeah, I'm, we can also kind of go into this. I don't think I even mentioned this to you when mm-hmm. I saw you outside, but when I was adopted, I um, was really sick. So, and you probably know this with uh, Lucy, um, you never really know. Like, adoption takes a lot of prayer, and it takes a lot of people praying for this. Absolutely. Child. Yeah. <laughs> I sure do. It's an army. It of, sure is. It's, yeah. Of people cheering for you, supporting you financially praying, um, but you're welcoming, you're welcoming a child into your home and you don't exactly know what those, their ties have been, especially, um, older, like my brother, he Mm -hmm. knew he was an orphan. And so you're having to work with a lot of other trauma Mm -hmm. coming into a family, um, and relocating. Um, but when I was a baby, I was fine and healthy, but at the age of four, I was actually diagnosed with schizophrenia and autism. Really? so I would run myself into doors. I would scratch myself. I was kicked out of Sunday school. I um, went to dozens of doctors, and my parents had no idea what was wrong with me. And, you know, the adoption people, they're like, you know, you don't really know, where the ch- you know what this child carries with them. Oh, my goodness. And that was kind of like their, like their answer. And... Um, my mom would come into my nursery and just lay down and just say, like, Jesus, she's only a baby. Like, we need to heal her. Um, and at one point, I was hospitalized, and I, they, um, the nurses were even scared to go in there. And, like, no one wanted to touch me. And uh, my mom says that at one point they wanted to give me so much medication that I would have sedated a horse because that's just how crazy I was. Oh, and my gosh. I didn't wear clothes. I was, like, really gray, kind of um, off-looking. And I had a lot of seizures. 
And so by four or five, wow. I was, my parents thought, and they were told by doctors, she's going to need help the rest of her life. And, you know, what do you do? You have this child that, you know, you, you know, that you raise money for people, you know, it's not saying that was a, a mistake, but you're navigating a whole new ball game with a sick child that you didn't know was sick previously. And so, um, it was actually the faith of their church. My parents were believers. They were more fans and followers yeah. of Christ. And they ran into this couple at church's chicken. <laughs> and they were like, how's your daughter? And they were like, she's actually doing awful. She's sick. Mm. She's not going to Sunday school anymore. She um, like just is doing really bad. And they were like, well, can we come over and pray for her? And... They're like, yes, like this is our last hope. Like we doctors, nothing. We don't want to sedate her. And they had my sister removed from the house because they believed it was something spiritual going on with me and not schizophrenia or a form of autism. Mm -hmm. And they set me in my nursery in the middle of the floor and they asked my parents to just repent of their sins and to really accept Christ into their hearts. And they did that and they really, really want to just kind of break whatever ties she has to her biological family. Um, we just believe something spiritually is oppressing her. And they were like, okay, like, do what you have to do. So they pray this prayer. And the church members all lay down, like, face down on the ground, like, around me. So if you imagine, like, a big circle, I'm in the middle, and then all the people are just around me, laying down, praying in tongues. And then all of a sudden, they keep praying, they're praying, and then they stop, and in that exact moment, every, this is an account what my parents have told me, I don't remember which part of my life at all, but in that moment, every dog in the whole neighborhood howled at the exact same pitch. Oh my gosh, I've got <laughs> chills all over my arms. I know. This is incredible. like, is that my life? <laughs> but all the dogs howled the exact same moment, and they stopped all the exact same time, and I stood up. And I put on clothes, and I went to school, oh my God. and I stopped wow. running myself in the doors. I stopped scratching myself. Like, and they brought me to Sunday school, and they were like, at least she doesn't even look like herself. She looks like a whole new girl. Oh my. Wow. And oh my. so ever since then, I mean, I'm by now. <laughs> like, it's been like a healing. Like, it was like my big healing. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. my gosh. God is so good. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Yeah. That's kind of a longer story, but... Yeah, that's what kind of set up the stage of my... <laughs> no, go go ahead. No, that was uh, that was the bulk of it, what I've heard from my parents. Yeah. And that was more of like, I feel like they're part of their testimony, um, too. Yeah, uh-huh. Because as parents, they were, you know, it's kind of coasting their faith, going to church, and then they see this happen to their daughter, and you can't explain it. The doctors couldn't tell them what happened, and the church was like, we believe that the spiritual weight was lifted off of her um you know later on down the road I found out um that when my biological mom found out that she was pregnant she went in to have an abortion with me and you know from that doctor that whatever the situation was she didn't and wow uh, you know babies know you know sense things and so they believe there's just something spiritual on me during that time and it kind of followed me as a little girl, but they, you know, broke that blood tie and really connected me to my adoptive parents. And ever since then, I never, you know, never had an issue. But like a year later, I remember this. It was the only part of my story I remember. Uh-huh. 
my mom came into my room and she uh, was tucking me into bed and I said, Mom, do you remember when all the toys in my room were floating around me, but Jesus came and stopped it? Oh my God. And she just like broke and she was like, I was like six or something. And that's like what I saw it as, as like a six, you know, five-year-old girl and not knowing what's going on with me, but I described it as like all my toys floating around. But I just like recognized Christ and I recognized Jesus and that he came into that chaotic part of my world yeah. and stopped it. And before I had a prayer life, before I went to church, you know, before I accepted Christ into my heart, you know, he comes and saves us mm-hmm. and he just totally revealed himself to me as a little girl. And that's when my mom knew without a doubt, you know, like God is real and he has a plan for her and this family. Oh my gosh, man. So I bet it changed your parents forever. <laughs> I mean, they talk about it at least a few times a year. <laughs> wow. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. Everybody has a story. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. if you let God just come into those broken places, mm-hmm. He will heal and He will restore those places. I know yeah. He will. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen the walk with that with Lucy. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Her whole story. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we were told a week before we got her, we would probably be two years. We don't even mm-hmm. know. You know, my whole life, you know, I was told I'm not going to have kids and. Mm-hmm. But the whole story of us getting Lucy has just mm. been one confirmation after another. Yeah. So, and this is why I think this podcast is so needed because it opens up people's perspective to know God's heart is for adoption. Yeah. And it, he doesn't let those painful parts of maybe not having kids or losing kids through the process go to waste. And he restores it all. That is so true. And it's my mom, she lost three biological kids before us. And it was the heart of my dad that, it was the heart of my dad that um, kind of brought up adoption to her. Really? And she never really thought about it. And he, after they lost their third, um, they had a little girl named Leah and she was born and she died four hours after. Oh my um, goodness. Delivery. Yeah. Man, so they've had such a story of redemption as well. Like, yeah, well, there's a lot of heartbreak and those challenges, and they got my sister actually a year to the date of their daughter, their biological daughter's death, and oh it also was Mother's Day. Oh my when it gosh, happened. are you serious? Mm-hmm. That is incredible. Mm-hmm. To the date of their that her death. And then Mother's Day, they got the call that they were getting my older sister, Natalie. And then 14 months later, they got a call they were getting me. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And so that doesn't tell you, like, you know, the Lord sees people's pain in the process. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And he might not, you know, necessarily, like, repay. And, you know, it might not look how you thought. But he'll mm-hmm. always restore. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah, it's been their story. <laughs> oh, that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, he does. I mean, just little things like Lucy was born on my grandpa's birthday, and my mom's dad, mm-hmm. and he passed away in 2005. Wow. And there's just little mm-hmm. things like a week before, we, we, it was Christmas, and so mm-hmm. we were all together, and we mm-hmm. put in some home videos. And he wasn't around very much, yeah. like at that last part mm-hmm. of his life. And we saw this clip in this video, and it was like he smiled mm-hmm. so big and waved and was like holding me. Mm. And he was just like, it was the sweetest little like clip. four second clip. Mm. 
And it was literally, I think, the next day we got the phone call. Oh, wow. And it was almost like it was a sign, like, Mm -hmm. okay, like, Mm -hmm. I know. Like, I'm, like, you know. I don't know. I just felt his presence. It was kind of cool. Yeah. And there's only things like that you look at and you think all those steps that you felt were just roadblocks Mm -hmm. and things that were, you know, bringing you only pain really setting yeah. you to receive like the greatest treasure and that's yeah. what my parents I mean their parents their perspective is you know different than mine because they had you know lost biological you know biological children but they definitely look back and say you know without all those heartbreaks mm. we we all wouldn't be here my yeah. sister my brother and I and yeah God just has a different way of sometimes of bringing it all together yeah. you know but or you know, it's his plan, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not what we think, but when mm-hmm. we let him come in and do those things, yeah, it's so much more than mm-hmm. we could ever imagine. Yeah. You know, into those dark, mm-hmm. scary places that we don't know, mm-hmm. you know, why they're yeah. there, our brokenness, the pain that we go through. Yeah. If we let him in those places, he brings healing mm-hmm. and restorations and beyond anything mm-hmm. we could anything think that we could have even tried to yeah manipulate Absolutely. or convey you know oh yeah can't be manipulated no you know <laughs> no nope. no not at all so, and okay. i mean yeah i mean i think uh it was in our right timing to get lucy and mm-hmm. i think at the beginning you know i learned that adoption can be manipulated there's mm-hmm. so many like ways you can do it for selfish reasons or whatever mm-hmm. but i honestly felt like you know with all the unknowing and uncertainty and like you have to give up all your control yeah mm-hmm. like it, because you don't know timing you don't even your your whole um experience for adoption is in the birth mother's hands Mm -hmm. and um, or you know maybe you just don't know how to go about doing it Mm -hmm. but when you put that control in God's hands you know it's like I don't know you have to learn to trust through our adoption I think through ours I learned dependency on him Mm -hmm. more than anything through this whole process and that in itself I would never take away yeah you know I just you have to be able to to depend on on him yeah and you know going back into what you've learned uh one is like a mother but one also has a daughter through adoption that's something that the adoptee also learns too and you know what Lucy walked through herself as finding Christ is like the most perfect father and uh you know Luke I my dad survived his traumatic brain injury, but a lot of him, his personality, yeah. even down to his taste buds, changed. Yeah, and I had to really work at finding what it looked like to be loved by a perfect father. Yeah, in the midst of you know losing you know wow. so much at such a young age. Yeah, and that was one of the sweetest things that he's still teaching me is that he is the most perfect heavenly father. Yeah, even when my earthly father can't meet. Mm-hmm. like these needs yeah and wow so it's kind of like I always like feel That's like amazing. I'm like adopt you know we are like 
But for me, I'm like, I've been adopted twice over. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've had to go through the initial and then going yeah. through what my family went through. Yeah. I almost had to rediscover, wow, like, now Jesus calls me his own. Wow. So yeah. it's like a flip. Like, yeah. we're good in life, you know, yeah. and then everything whoo, changed yeah. on me in a split second. And now I had to go on the re-journey of being a part of a family and a, a Christian, like a Christian family. Yeah. And, um, surrounding my people in the church and... Yeah. So it's... I remember when we ran into each other at downtown Overland yeah. Park, that's what we talked okay. about, mm-hmm. is how adoption is such a story of mm-hmm. how Jesus has adopted us into his family. Mm-hmm. And I wish you would just elaborate how you expressed it was just so beautifully. Yeah. What? About, oh, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> you have to remind me. No, well, just how you said how, like... We, you and your brothers and sisters. How, oh, how mm-hmm. your parents taught you. Oh, yeah. How to be uh, like the Christian. The, yeah, and how mm-hmm. just it's such an, a story of how Jesus brought it in. Brought together. Brought it together. Yeah, it is not like adoption is probably not for you know <laughs> it's not an easy road. <laughs> um, but my dad, honestly, my dad's faith was the one that really rooted our family mm-hmm. and. Like I said a little bit earlier, like I'm a little bit different direction and path than my siblings are. Yeah. But it it just shows me that God's heart is still like pursuing after those like all of us. Yeah. And then we just kind of come at our own different stories and points. And so something I'm really believing for in my brother and my sister's life and um kind of like how you mentioned that adoption is the story of, you know, God, like the prodigal son and bringing people home to him and taking those people that have never felt like they fit. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of people like that where they just feel like they don't belong. Mm-hmm. But in God's family, he's like, I'm telling you that you are adopted into this family and you're loved as as you are. Yeah. And I think there's nothing that resembles that more than a parent. Exactly. And yeah. I'm not a parent, but seeing how my yeah. parents have loved us and have, yeah. you know, even fought for us in the midst of, my dad's injury yeah it's like this selfless unconditional love and I think about Christ yeah and I think he'll love me you know to the nth degree more than my parents and it just kind of yeah. overwhelms me with yeah how much I'm chosen uh-huh well and he went to the cross to die for all of our sins mm-hmm. but as Christians do we really know what all that means I mean mm-hmm. he has literally given us his love and his power inside us if we just accept that you know yeah. i mean we are his children and god said he wants us to be like jesus mm-hmm. you know as like he loved us so much and that's who jesus is like you know he values every single one of us if we just accept what he has to give us yeah. you know mm-hmm. and that is such i feel like what adoption is mm-hmm. you know i mean we might have our own parents. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing I've learned um, as a Christian, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't depend on even, I mean, you might love them all you want to, but mm-hmm. you can't fully depend on your parents mm-hmm. or your brothers and sisters mm-hmm. or teachers or even your pastors. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might love them and they're great people, but there comes to a point where sometimes they will let you down mm-hmm. or... They might not have what you need, yeah. you know, even mm-hmm. though they might be wonderful Christian people. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, he 
you can depend on him for anything. Mm-hmm. He is everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah. So. And that's what's carried me through a lot of the yeah. pain and, you know, definitely wilderness seasons of my life is that even adoption and you think of like the brokenness and different families and, you know, I don't know what Lucy's mom situation was, but you think of just a lot of pain because um, I was the only one adopted outside of my siblings, mm-hmm. my biological so they ended up staying with my bio parents for another few years, and then they were eventually in foster care mm-hmm. and adopted outside of that. And something I'm really learning since I've moved back home is that God made gardens and not deserts. Yeah. And there's many times in this walk and my family and being adopted where it has like felt like a desert mm-hmm. <laughs> and this wilderness, and he you know, places people into, like, how he's placed me into this family and this healing because, you know, he's asking us to bloom where we're at and be that garden that he really created. And so, and I think adoption is that picture. Yeah. Of, like, you know, like, you and Steve have chosen, you know, those 10 years of, you know, waiting and trying to discern God's plan. And in many ways, I'm sure it felt like that desert and where is this going to end? Yeah. we're getting thirsty here, God. And he, like, really creates us a bloom from the inside out. You know what's crazy? What? That you just said that. What? Because we always pick a word for each year. Yeah. In January of 2019, yeah. our word was bloom. Oh, wow. So, mm-hmm. Lucy was born December 30th, 2019. Mm-hmm. Literally the day cry. before. <laughs> and we... Yeah. We were in Atlanta on the 1st of January. Yeah. But usually we go and have a date on the 1st. And then we look at what we did the later. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll pick, like, a word and mm-hmm. then we'll put things like, okay, we would like to see this happen this mm-hmm. year. Or we'll, yeah. we would like to, you know, work on this or whatever. So we would look at the previous year and say, mm-hmm. oh, we'll cross it off and mm-hmm. see what we've done and all yeah. that stuff. So, like, two weeks after we got back from Atlanta, we did that. Mm-hmm. And the the word bloom, I mm. mean, was our word for 2019. Wow! And mm. you're so right. Mm. I mean, because we had had some very desert periods mm. of our life. Mm. I mean, I became diabetic, and mm-hmm. when I was 28, financially, mm-hmm. I mean, we had not been in a very good spot mm-hmm. um, up until you know recently. Um, so in, even in our relationship at some points, mm-hmm. you know, like it's been kind of rough. It's, you know, yeah. um, it's a lot of time to do life with someone and then mm-hmm. like navigate the ebbs and flows and the valleys. And that's what my parents yeah. have seen and together. Yeah. And a, there are three adoption stories. <laughs> yeah. Is the blooming process in a desert cause mm-hmm. you know, God made us to be gardens. Yeah. And there's just times of our lives where it just looks all like desert mm-hmm. and all um, like kind of just there's no end to this barren yeah. place. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah, I feel like that adoption, if people can take away, mm-hmm. and I'm a really big advocate for this, but adoption is just an opportunity for people to really bloom in their own deserts. And in their own places. Because, like you said, it takes everything out of you. 
It is, uh, you release control. It does. And you just <laughs> surrender, you know, you surrender your finances, you surrender your time. You do. You surrender family. also, like, you know, your privacy, kind of, yeah. you know. Or, like, two people have different wants and likes mm-hmm. and stuff, and so you have to really be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to communicate mm-hmm. what how you're going to go about these situations yeah because you have i mean you're talking about taking another life on Mm -hmm. so it's the big i mean it's going to change and if it's going to change your life forever and if you have other siblings involved it's going to change even more yeah and so you have to really like dig deep and like come to be be unified Mm -hmm. almost in a way that's what i felt i mean there was some hard conversations we had to have Mm -hmm. to figure out okay, what's the best options for us? Mm -hmm. But looking back now, I mean, it has unified us more than anything. Yeah. You know, like, I think we've learned to communicate and, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, if you let it, it'll let you, I mean, it can be an amazing experience, Mm -hmm. you know, if you become vulnerable Mm -hmm. and just listen to the other person and Mm -hmm. value what they want as well and Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, Try and the to... purpose is, like, in the process of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you don't just, like, sign up and you're, like, you get the call and, like, you're matched right. with Lucy, you know? There was, like, this whole process that you... Absolutely. ...became purposeful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of... And yeah. my story, too, is I didn't just, you know, flip from 12 years old, you know, and then to 24, and I just transformed... It was a thousands of little obedient steps. Yeah. And absolutely. thousand little processes. Yeah. And I'm so glad that, you know, God doesn't define us by like big moments. Exactly. And really like so works true. in those little mm. yeah. the little processes. Because that's what adoption is. Yeah. That's is, so right. Yeah. And for people exactly. out there who are thinking about adopting, well, yeah, I mean, it might take a long time and it's a might mm-hmm. be a huge process. Yeah. And it doesn't just happen. Like you might not just oh, you might not just come together and say we're going to adopt, you know, mm-hmm. we want to do that. Mm-hmm. And it happens right away. Mm-hmm. It's like those minimal moments mm-hmm. that, you know, mundane moments mm-hmm. that you're moments frustrated. Of doubt and- yeah, doubt and just, you know, weariness and, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah, that you know, you that help you become who you're supposed to be to be for that child and it's good to hear this from you because you know i'm coming at it i mean i have not adopted that's on my heart that's so true i know that in the future um my family my future family will have adopted children in it but hearing your side um that recently just went through all that and Mm -hmm. you know it's just different perspectives Um, yeah that's true i just look right now at the future of this is what I want to do, and eventually I'm married, and mm-hmm. you know can do that. But um, like I kind of said earlier, it takes just a lot of prayer and like different opinion, like opinions, and people are at. But I'm a big you know advocate for even kids, like my brother, who um, was five when mm-hmm. he came to the states, and mm-hmm. Peter looked like a little monk. He was like the cutest little thing you can just imagine. He's the sweetest little Chinese boy, and he only had two pairs of shirts. One pair of pants, like one pair of pants and one pair of shoes and a little backpack. And they shaved his head. Aww. And he was just this little bald guy. And he just came off the plane. And I remember he got into our van in America because my parents were to China for two weeks. 
And I just like looked, I remember this so vividly, I was like eight, and I looked over at him sleeping, and I just thought, I have a brother. <laughs> it was just like this most, yeah. you know, like my mind was so blown, because like, yeah. you know, we never saw my mom pregnant, you know, yeah. we just like right. had kids added, uh-huh. and I just saw him, and I'm so, like, I don't, I've never seen you as a baby, you're just like, you're just my brother, and you're five, <laughs> and it just was such a weird, like, wow. and he was, um, when he first had his first meal, he actually went around to all our plates and took food off of it and, like, stuffed it in his little pockets. Because at the orphanage, they didn't have really? enough food. And oh. he, they had to, like, ration food. And he was so scared that he wouldn't have enough food that oh he... Oh, my goodness. It took him oh, wow. so long to realize, like, this is your own plate. <laughs> you don't have to take our food. And it kind of was a process, you know, his own journey, too, of realizing, yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm fed. I'm taken care of. Um, but he would like take in, put his little pockets and like sit in the corner and just be like waiting for something to happen. And, you know, we're all just sitting at the table, like, you know, what just happened? <laughs> and wow. so this is, I guess, another example of how yeah. different, you know, places, you know, children can come from. Yeah. So had, did your parents talk to you about that process going to China or mm-hmm. getting him? What, what did they say about that experience? Well, I remember when we were getting Peter we looked at a lot of videos so this was a long time ago (laughs) oh gosh like probably 16 years ago yeah but when so it's probably a lot different than now but it was an international adoption and we just saw watched a lot of videos of kids and all the kids that were up for adoption Mm because it's different than how the internet works and stuff but right right we just got to watch and my parents were like we're adopting and we actually wanted we actually were gonna first adopt a little girl we're going to be a whole family of all girls. Really? And then something my dad was like, no, I really think we're supposed to adopt a little boy. And then we saw Peter's video, and he just was, again, like this cute little monk-looking guy, and he was organizing his little oranges. I don't know why, but the video that they gave us was kids eating oranges. <laughs> and I just remember seeing our computer, and I just like, was watching all these little kiddos peeling oranges. And then we stopped on Peter, and he was so delicate with each orange and I don't know something happened we didn't decide but my parents were just kind of getting us you know acclimated and just like this is what we're doing yeah and somehow I don't know when but it was him that um they got matched with Mm. and leading up to it we had uh, my aunt stay with us for two weeks and we called our mom every night they just were like we're gonna go and we're gonna get you a little brother and his name's Peter and we didn't really understand. I was only eight. So yeah. I was kind of like, oh, I'm adopted. I feel like this is pretty normal to, uh-huh. to do this. And so I just had really like a fun time with my aunt and cousin that watched us for two weeks. I got, we got gifts every day. We got to make Build-A-Bears. My aunt put two clocks in our living room, one in our time, one China time. So really? we always like yeah, knew you like, what time my uh-huh. parents were at. Yeah. And we got a gift every, every day for two weeks. And yeah. so... Then they came home and my parents got us little Chinese outfits and umbrellas and we just would wear those all the time and just just hang out with like our brother and he only knew two words. He only knew no and I love you. And so we would tell him to do something and he would just run around and say, no, 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 I love you. (laughs) And we're like, we're not telling you. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) We do love you, but. What an incredible story. Yeah. That's just, man, so amazing. Such a story of God's grace and faithfulness. Yeah, yeah. I probably can go on for 
hours talking about it, but in the nutshell. Yeah, please do. Uh, (laughs) Tell me, you you said you got to meet your bio dad, right? Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience and how that was for you? Yeah, I was 19. (laughs) This is kind of a funny story looking back at it now because I was actually on my fall break trip in college. And it was 10 days. We went to Colorado. It was with my six best friends in school. And I knew my dad lived out there. And so prior to that, he reached out to me. And he was interested in meeting me. So just to give backstory, I had an open adoption and throughout my whole life, my parents sent photos to my biological family, basically me growing up. Mm -hmm. And they wrote letters and we wrote letters. And so I knew they existed. I knew what they looked like. Mm -hmm. And um, when he called me, that was really out of the blue. And I, he left me a voicemail (laughs) and I was like, mom, Kevin called me. <laughs> and anyway, so I kind of forgot about it. And then I went out to Colorado and I reached out to my aunt, who is my dad's sister. And I said, Hey, I'm coming to Colorado for 10 days. I'd love if we could meet up sometime during that week. And it ended up just being like a really good time for them. And so we met at a burrito shop in <laughs> Boulder, Colorado. And this was kind of like the scenario, if you can imagine this. Mm-hmm. So it was. Seven college girls, all 19, uh-huh. in a van. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's just meeting her dad today. This is crazy. <laughs> and we're, you know, because like, I always felt, like, I have felt so belonging to my adoptive family. And I've always known they're, you know, been my real family. And I never kind of questioned my life outside of them. But that morning we woke up, my friends were all like, you're meeting your biological dad today. How do you feel? And I grew up, and I think it's also important for adopted kids to know. Um, my parents always taught me, if you ever meet your biological fam- parents, family, don't have expectations on them. Like, they are who they are. You can just accept them as mm-hmm. that because yeah. I think a lot of people can kind of make up a story of how they maybe wanted them back or regretted it or mm-hmm. did they miss a life outside of um, living with them opposed to their adoptive family. And so my mom always said, when you meet them, you just let that all go, all your expectations, and you just accept them as they are. Yeah. And so I, I always had that mindset going right. into it. Mm-hmm. And so I just was like, I'm just going to accept them how he is. And whatever that is, like, it's okay. And so we pull up to this burrito shop. I, like, open the door, and all my friends are like, do we drop you off? Do you want us to wait outside? Like, this is so weird. We don't know what to do. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Like, just go over to the store over there. And so they're like, calls if anything happens and so I go in and um it's my two aunts and my biological dad and they like rush up and they hug me and they give me this book actually of all the pictures they've kept of my life over the last like Uh 19 years and for like two minutes my dad didn't say anything to me he just like stared at me and he just goes you look so much like your mom and being an adopted child, you yeah. never hear you look like your parents. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. My parents uh-huh. are blonde, blue-eyed, Caucasian, uh-huh. have dark skin, like all dark features. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> I don't get told that ever. And he had my nose. And it was just weird looking at someone that looked like me. Yeah. Um, and we had a really good talk. And he, like, drew me a picture. And they just kind of caught up in my about my life. And it was just a really good conversation and he kind of shared what he's been doing and his heart he kind of had a rough uh time as an adult you know in out of jail and had 
substance abuse problems. But um, it was just cool to see where he is at now and meet my aunts. And then my friends texted me and they're like, can we meet him? And I'm like, you know, sure, I just met him. And they all come in. It's like overwhelming seven 19-year-old girls. (laughs) And they all like rush over and they're like, Hi, Alicia's biological dad. I'm like, oh my goodness, wow. This is Kevin. And they all like shake his hand. It was such a weird moment because it was like such different parts of my life. Like my college girlfriend. Yeah. And my biological dad are meeting at a burrito shop in Colorado. And we like left that scenario. Like, that was honestly kind of crazy. Yeah, that's so crazy. And sometimes they text me and they're like, remember when we met your biological dad? I'm like, yeah. That That is such like a weird time. That's crazy. Oh, I also remembered what you kind of were bringing up earlier. Yeah. My dad said when he put placed me up for adoption, when they decided to, is that he wanted to give me a life, um, a big place to play. And the life that yes. they could have provided yes. was only a small place. Yep. And that has really been instrumental, thinking like they saw their life, like they wanted to provide a big place for yeah. me to play. Mm-hmm. And they just knew they couldn't give that, and it was only a small little part and so I just thought that's just a, such a humble thing. Yeah. Wow. So just to say that now. <laughs> so when you met them, I mean, you, I mean, of course you feel like your adoptive parents are your parents yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. But when you met them, was there like a void that you felt like you had that, like, you know, just something that you didn't know about yourself, you know, kind of. With them? Yeah, with your adopted dad. I honestly think it only just confirmed that I knew I was where I was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, I was so grateful for all the information he kind of gave me about my heritage. I would say that's the only thing that I kind of yeah. felt was a little... Like, my parents raised us the best way they knew how. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're not Native American or right. Hispanic or Chinese. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess, you know, walking into a scenario where they all look like me, we're all darker... And they're able to kind of tell me about your yeah. great aunt and your grandma. Mm. It's like, you know, I only think of my, I only think of Grandma Faye. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think of, you know, this history of Native American people that I came from and like kind of like that lineage. Yeah. And so I wouldn't say I necessarily feel like I missed out, but I would say that would be interesting stuff to grow up knowing. Yeah. Right. And so that was probably my only thing that I walked away thinking is, wow, they had a lot of information about my ancestors uh-huh. and so yeah I have probably because growing up you're like what's your medical history you can't yeah. just base it off your adopted parents you're just kind of like I don't know yeah so growing up did you ever have like a lot of questions or did you ever kind of feel like mm, want some answers about any anything I would say my older sister walked through that more than I did mm-hmm. uh, her adoption was closed I don't know what Lucy's is but um I kind of always had answers and I yeah. think the kids that walk through a closed adoption, that's harder because you don't you don't have that connection um, even via letter or pictures. Yeah, right. They sent me pictures of themselves, and I um, kind of realized how instrumental that was, mm-hmm. even though I didn't think of that at 10 years old, but how it kind of played into my young adult life. It was like, oh, I've always known about them. Yeah. So I can't really imagine my life never knowing, and I think... If I were to flip the roles and it was closed and I really just never knew where I came from, I think that would be actually harder. Yeah. Um, So it'd be interesting, you know, maybe have someone talk about their closed adoption experience, but 
Yeah. I guess in my eyes, I've always known um, that big world that they wanted me to play in um, was, like, enough for me to kind of, like, leave it. Yeah. And, but I do feel that people that don't know anything, it's a lot harder to work through. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're like, what are names or, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know if that... I mean, I know that we are going to tell Lucy from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, we already have started that, you know, Mm -hmm. she's adopted. Mm -hmm. And can you just kind of tell a little bit how your parents kind of processed you? Like, you know, as a little girl, some of the things they would say to you. Yeah. Because that's a kind of a question I have. Like, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I want her to know, but it's like, you know, I'm sure when she gets maybe three or four, like, Uh she's going to have these questions. And... You know, and like the yeah, when kids start to re- like see, you know, women pregnant, they're like, "Did I come?" You know, yeah, exactly, something like that. I, um, I think the only thing I really remember is my parents always showed me photos of them, and they really brought in a lot of photographs. Mm-hmm. And every time I got a letter from them, yeah. even when I was a little girl, like six, they would shoot it say. Margaret, Kevin wrote you. Do you want me to write them back? It was always in a very, you can kind of take the pace on it. Like, yeah. if you want to wait, mm-hmm. you don't have to write them. Mm-hmm. And if you want us to go ahead and mm-hmm. write them, we can. I think I was like eight. I remember this. this yeah. Weird memory. My mom asked me if I, it was okay for her to write them back. And I remember like playing and almost being like, why would you ask me that? Yeah. And I was like, sure, go ahead. And it was just something where they always brought them around to my memory um from when I was like a really little girl like kind of like I said they would have photo books and they just would say this is your yeah. grandma Alice this is Margaret and Kevin and they like they let they always just reiterate how much they loved me yeah and they never painted it as they gave you up because you know because they right. were in a bad spot they never I think that's important for adoptive parent like yeah. parents are adopting is how they paint their kids biological yeah. family mm-hmm. will do a lot for them um, navigating just their own identity mm-hmm. um, I agree moving forward because I know that they had a hard life and I know that they were into things that they weren't supposed to and my biological siblings went through a lot more mm-hmm. than I did but they never painted them like you're, I'm, you're, you should be grateful you were rescued it was always they just loved you so much mm-hmm. and this was the option that was best for you and so I think them painting a picture of just love really set me up to be like, I've just been loved by a lot of different people, and I just and I ended up here in yeah. like that midst. And yeah. so I used to credit a lot to my parents of how loving they were towards my bio family, um, because you know you can say a lot. I mean, you have no. I mean, the kids don't know. You could twist things and you know make them sound bad, but they always yeah. Um, painted them in such a great light of Jesus's love mm-hmm. and picture for me, which I think, yeah, now is instrumental because I look back and I'm yeah. like, I have no Absolutely. bad memories I, of you. <laughs> yeah. And so... I think that's so important. Yeah. And even my name, I was actually born Alice. And really? for eight weeks, yep, I was born Alice, A-L-Y-C-E. My daughter parents didn't really like Alice for me. And so they kept the spelling similar, A-L-Y-C-I-A. And they said Alicia. But yeah, for like eight weeks, two months of my life, I was called Alice. Really? So, huh. then I so switched my name. <laughs> wow. That is so amazing, Alicia. Did you name Lucy? 
We did. Okay. Yeah. There was she, no name before. No. Okay. It, she was just baby girl, and um, her adopted mother is amazing. Yeah. You know, she let us name her. And oh yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. That's so. We did. We uh, got to Atlanta. Uh, and on New Year's Eve at midnight, Aww. we FaceTimed my mom and Steve's mom. Oh, that's so and, great. And his dad and my dad, and we named her at oh. midnight. Wow. So, yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So, wow. What a story of just adoption and wh- how much it is mm-hmm. and how inspiring you are is oh. just incredible. Thank you. So I just appreciate it so much, and um, my heart is just that people will listen to this and just get, just encouraged that mm-hmm. adoption is an amazing, amazing thing, and you know I, mm-hmm. that's my hope, and yeah. just that it's just an incredible, incredible thing, mm-hmm. and um, so and thank you for being a part of that. Because Thank you for it, having it's me. It's so important to listen to your heart and where you came from. So yeah, so inspiring. I think just kind of some parting thoughts that mm-hmm. yeah, there's you know there are families that are considering adoption or even churches. I really try to advocate that we all have a part. Yeah. And um, the process that I've seen and what kind of my parents have said can be lonely, and. Uh, there's always ways to support even couples that are going through adoption and whether it's their fundraisers or, you know, helping them out with just different things that they need. And it's part of like, you know, what God asks us in the Bible, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. I always try when I talk about it to say we all have a part. Yeah. Take care of the widows and the and orphans. The or- mm-hmm. I mean, James, he wants us to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it is, it's like the basics of valuing each other you know yeah. and so we all like just have yeah we all have that part mm-hmm. and sometimes I think we can say oh it's for other people and mm-hmm. I'm not saying everyone should adopt definitely there's don't think that <laughs> but mm-hmm. I do think that in the church and in Christian communities in um, those areas all have such an important yeah. important part in bringing restoration to families absolutely and helping kids in foster homes and mm-hmm. um whether whatever that looks like, support, yeah. prayer, teaming yeah. with a family, yeah, um, goes a long way. So well said, Alicia. That is so <laughs> true, and yeah, that's what my heart is for this podcast: is that people will see that, mm-hmm. and your story shows that so well. Oh, and thank you. Just thank you so much. It means so much to me that you were able to come on here and share a little bit. Yeah. So well, I'm excited yeah. to see where this podcast takes you yeah well well, for me i hope that it just encourages people you know just to adopt or you know just bring awareness Mm -hmm. so that's that's my goal so i thank you so much i appreciate it you're amazing thanks Brittany. so yep